Podcasting from Hartford, you're listening to the Connecticut Scoreboard Podcast, your place for all things Connecticut sports. And here is your host, Jared Cutler. It's August, which means college football is right around the corner. Over the course of the month, we'll be talking with college football coaches across the state. On today's episode, you'll hear from Central Connecticut football coach Ryan McCarthy. We talk about his coaching journey and the growth of CCSU football, what it was like to not play any games last year, and he'll give us a preview of this year's team. And now to my conversation with CCSU football coach Ryan McCarthy. All right, so joining me today, we, we've got Coach McCarthy, the head football coach at Central Connecticut. Coach, thanks so much for coming on today. No problem. Appreciate you having me. So, Coach, I, I always love doing at the start of these for, for someone who's coming on for the first time, just a, a little get to, to know you. And I, I know taking a look into your background, you're an All-State high school athlete. You played football, basketball, baseball. How did you end up with, with football really being your focus there? Uh, well, I mean, it's interesting because I, I, I played three sports in high school and uh, football was really, to be honest, probably my my third favorite sport and probably my probably the one sport, <laughs> I, the, the sport of the three that I was uh, probably um, less talented in. But it's just the the, uh, the different the nuances of the game, the, all the other things that come with it, the, the schematical aspect, um, you, you know. The camaraderie, all the all the values you take mm-hmm. from the game that you really you, you don't learn, you can't learn from from other places. So I think that's probably what I attributed it to. At what point did you realize that coaching was going to be that path for you, and what really got you interested in becoming a coach? Honestly, I didn't even know they they paid coaches to uh, to coach college football. Uh, I mean, I got a phone call. I had just graduated college, and uh, <clears throat> you know, I was going to go back to I was going to go to grad school, and um, my college coach actually got a, a phone call from a guy by the name of uh, Jay Bateman, who's now the defensive coordinator uh, at North Carolina. And he uh, was the head coach at Siena and had an entry-level position and wanted to know if I'd be interested. And I, to be honest with you, I at first said, I, I, there's no way I'm going to do this. Um, and then I said, you know what, maybe I'll go on campus and sit down with him. And I ended up walking away saying, why not? And, uh, you know, here we are, 20 one years later, 20 years later, and that's what I do for a living. Having been at Central for a bit, take us through how the program has really grown since you've been there to where it is today. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I spent 13 years of my career at Albany, so I it's not like, you know, we played Central Connecticut every year when I was at Albany, and, you know, if there was a team that, that um, gave us issues, it was Central Connecticut, and it wasn't there's always been talent. Um, there was always talent here. Just some years, uh, you know, it was just probably a little inconsistent. Um, you know, when I first got here in two, this 2015 coming from uh, Albany, it, you know, it was very much in transition when Coach Ross Mondo took it over. I mean, the, the program really dropped down and Jeff McInerney coached before him and he, he had it up. He had it up for a while and then they just, they, for some reason, um, plummeted and, you know, when Coach came in, he had really a, he had a lot of work to do. Um, I, I still think there was talent here, but he had to really, um, you know, kind of start from the ground up, if you will. And um, you know, I think that started with with bringing in the type of kids that he wanted for his program. And um, you know, now five six years later, um, you know, I I reaped the benefits of it in 2019 because we had, you know, we had the, the team, you know, a group of kids that. You know, they really, to be honest with you, were it was a self-policed team. Whereas, you know, we really could rely upon them 
um, for the leadership. It wasn't just, you know, vertical leadership from the coaches. It was horizontal leadership from the players as well. Definitely. What has made some of these teams so special that, that, you know, you've been a part of it, Central? I mean, it seems like in terms of the talent, you know, it's really been, been at a high level. I mean, just first name that obviously jumps to mind over the past few years is Jacob Dolgala, uh, you know, the quarterback there and the work he's done, you know, and, and now being in the NFL. What's it been like getting to work with, with, with such great talent that's been coming through Central of late? Well, I think it's, you know, to be honest with you, it's, you know, the, the guys we've recruited, I mean, Jake was the kid that had no scholarship offers. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, Jake Delgado wasn't, I mean, he was six, six when we recruited him and he was 195 pounds, but he, he walked out the door, you know, six, six and 245 pounds. So that, that came from, you know, him and yeah, we, we developed them in some ways, but I mean, you know, that was, that came from, you know, his parents and his background. We, you know, we went to high school and, um, so, you know, in, in that regard, and the other guys, like a guy like Connor Mignon, I mean, Connor started three years for us here. He had maybe one other offer. Um, and then he decided to take a grad year down at Vanderbilt and started every game for them last fall. But these were, you know, these were guys that we, you know, uncovered the stones and really, you know, did our background work on and again, brought the right type of kid in for our environment. And, you know, one of your best players or your best leaders, I mean, it really, it's really not too difficult to, to coach. Yeah, I, I don't know if diamond in the rough is the right word, but but looking for these kids that might go a bit under the radar there, like you mentioned, what is it that you're looking for when you're out there recruiting to, to bring a player to Central? Um, I, you know, I think, number one, I mean, you want to, you got to look for a kid that loves the game of football. Like, would he, um, you know, would he play Division three or Division, uh, you know, or uh, a lower level of football if, if he had to, you know what I mean? Like, does he love the game that much? Does he, does he, does he study the game? Is he prepared? Does he, what's he like in the off season? Um, you, you know, uh, you got to talk to as many people as you can uh, to try to get as much background information on a kid. And, you know, a lot of it comes down to nowadays you have the opportunity to do these one days, which we actually, we didn't last year, but we did this year, but to see how kids are coached. Like how can they, can they take direction? How do they handle coaching? Um, you know, things of that nature are really critically important. I think they tell you a lot, you know, there's a lot of really good players out there. I mean, you, I say to our guys all the time, we'll run out of scholarship money before we run out of good players. It's just a matter of, are we getting the, the right players for our environment? Definitely. I definitely want to talk about this season coming up, but I, I would like to look back a little bit. I know the last time you guys competed, uh, you know, was, was not this past fall, but fall of 2019. Uh, you guys had a great, great season, making the playoffs, uh, 11 wins that year. What was it like, and how disappointing was it coming off such a high season to then not be able to play last year? And has that been motivation for the team heading into this season? Yeah, I believe so. I mean, not not also being able to play in the spring. I mean, we watched, you know, all but I think 30 teams play in the spring. So that was that probably grabbed our, you know, because everybody at our level last last fall didn't play. So we're all in the same all in the same boat, all in the same category, but the spring was different. And uh, what I liked about the spring was it gave us a chance to get back to somewhat uh, some sense of normalcy in terms of, um, you know, there was structure and we hadn't been in the weight room four days out of the week. We hadn't gotten back to practice, like legitimate practice. We were able to do that. And the perfect model to me would have been, let's go play, you know, let's have 12 spring practices and then go play two games. And I don't care who they're against. Um, and, you know, then have those additional practices during the week. And you're probably looking at, you know, maybe 20 practices in two games and grease the wheels back up. But the hard part was some teams played 
10, some teams played four, some teams played two, and some teams played one. So I just didn't take the spring with a, you know, I didn't really think much of it um, with, with not playing. I just really, we, we focused on our team and getting them ready for this, this upcoming fall. In terms of getting ready for the fall, what are your expectations of the team heading into the season? Is it, is it hard to kind of come with some level set expectations given that you're not basing it off of anything that, that happened last year outside of you know what you were able to see during practice? What's that been like trying to, to come up with, with that kind of level set for this season? Yeah, I think I think the uh, just to answer your original question, because um, I kind of danced around it. I, I like I like the fact that you, you know to be honest with you, I think coming off an eleven win season, the the hardest part because I've done this on both ends at two different places is you know towing that line of you're not as good as you think you are, but they're but you're also champions. You know you got to tell them you know, and that that I think was going to be very hard in two thousand. Uh, 20 was going to be, Hey, let's get back down to, down to earth here. I mean, then what happened was a year ago or whatever it was. And now we've had a good two years. So 2019 seems like, you know, forever. And now we, now we can just basically, you know, I, I think the, the focus I think is shifting from or has shifted from the pandemic to now, you know, how are teams going to handle one of two things playing in the spring and playing in the fall with, you know, that amount of games I mentioned, everybody's different. And then the other f- side of it, which our team and, and 29 other teams have to deal with is, well, how are they going to handle the layoff of two years off? And I can't answer that question. I'm going to do the best I can to get our team prepared in preseason camp. But, you know, until we get out there and, and the, the ball is spotted on September 3rd, we'll have to, you know, we'll have to gauge it through practice. Yeah. What were your thoughts on your team, you know, based on the work you were able to do with them last spring? Uh in, in, instead of being able to play, were you impressed with what you were able to see in terms of progress of what you could do in practice, the weight room, that type of stuff? Yeah, I was. I mean, we, we've got a lot of, you know, a lot of guys that were uh, key, key components to that championship team in 19. So uh, we're very, very um, strong in the senior class and junior class. Just a lot of all-conference kids that played. And the one thing that I'm the most proud of and our, my staff did an unbelievable job is we didn't lose one kid to the transfer portal and those those guys stayed and and we have a couple guys that very easily could have gone just about anywhere and uh they didn't they chose to stay and i think you know it speaks to the the staff and i think it speaks to also their belief in the staff the players and um, cause I, I think nowadays everything's, the grass is always greener. You know, I want to go see if I can, and there's, there's, there's times where obviously that's something where the kid has an opportunity, he needs to do it. But I think some kids nowadays, they just jump to jump and, and it doesn't always work out. In, in terms of this season and the outlook, if someone's just starting to take a look at central and, and the team you've got, take us through some of the players this year that, that you think are going to be big pieces to, to having a successful season. Well, I think it offensively, I mean, it, it, it starts with the, the guy that um, I met. One of the guys I mentioned that could have gone anywhere in the country is Tyshawn James. And, uh, you know, an all-conference player in 2019. And, um, uh, you know, he's a legitimate pro prospect. We'll have to see how that plays out. But he's a guy that you can move around. Like, he doesn't just play receiver. He plays quarterback. He, um, you know, we line him up in the slot. We line him up at running back. You know, um, we do all these different things with him for a reason because he's that talented. And number two, he can he can mentally handle it. Um, you know, Javon Brown, offensive lineman, he returns. 
Um, he only played in two games, not even two games in 2019. He was an all conference player every year, um, you know, that he played up until 19. Um, you know, wide receiver, another wide receiver, Kyron Petaway, um, freshman, uh, that, that played really only half the year, but when he played was tremendously, um, productive. You know, Aaron Dawson comes back. He played in one game. He was an all conference player in 2018. Um, and then defensively, you know, I think it starts with you got Trey Jones, who again was an all conference player in 2019, phenomenal leader. Fode Jala, who's a outside linebacker, all conference player. And Dexter Lawson, uh, corner, you know, um, who's a very underrated player in, in my opinion. Um, you know, he's not the tallest guy, but he makes up for it with his football instincts and his IQ and, um, very competitive. And then there's obviously a lot of guys that I think can take that next step, but, you know, there's a lot of guys too in the program that, you know, I sometimes forget this freshman class that we brought in last year. They haven't gone through a preseason camp, so they don't really know what it is. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how the pieces fall in the puzzle because I know we have talent, but there's also a lot of other, you know, there's 20, there's 11 guys on the field that we're going to put out there and we need to make sure that all 11 we put out there um, can obviously effectively get the job done. What are your thoughts on, on the schedule you've put together for this for the team this year? I know one thing that jumps off the page to me is, is, is the game against Miami. You, you guys have shown you, you could be competitive with FBS schools in the past. What do you what do you expect when you get a game against a school like a caliber of Miami and an ACC opponent in going down there and playing them? Well, I think it's a great opportunity. I mean, it, it, it's you know right, wrong, or indifference. The first you know when our schedule came out, I mean, the kids. That's all. It's, it's like. All, all that was on there was the University of Miami. Like the, you know, the 10 other games is like they didn't exist. And, you know, I think, you know, coming off not playing for two years, I obviously, you know, we always talk about the next game we play is the most important. We don't look ahead. If you look ahead in anything you do in life, um, you're not going to focus on the task at hand. So obviously it's a great opportunity. And, you know, we went out and played Eastern Michigan extremely tough and really, to be honest, we had the game won and then had a block punt at the game. So, but I think this is, I think our kids understand this is a different animal, you know, from Eastern Michigan. This is a legitimate uh, perennial power, you know, um, you know, top 25 football team in the, in the country. This is, you know, one of the best of the best in a, you know, power five conference. So, um, you know, with that being said, I mean, we had to really, our schedule wasn't complete until about a month ago. You know, we had Fordham, we were going to play the Fordham game and then Nebraska came calling because they had a, a, a team dropped them. So they picked up, you know, paid Fordham $500,000 to play the game. So we looked for an opener. And, uh, you know, when it was all said and done, what happened was we ended up picking up Southern Connecticut, which is, a um, you know, an in-state rival from a long way back, um, which the alums are very excited about. Um, and then we picked up Southeastern Louisiana, who's the top 15 program in the country. They're going to come up here and we're going to go down there. And I think it, in fact, was Southeast Louisiana who dropped something fell through with with nebraska and that's that's how they were available so we were stuck there with nine games you know in may and we're like what the heck are we gonna do and it just happened to fall in line i think it's a i think it's a nice progression you start with southern connecticut and then we play conference game then we have a uh you know bona fide fcs top 15 top 20 school in southeast louisiana and then we go to miami so it's a it's a pretty good progression yeah how do you use those four games to kind of get ready for the rest of conference play is it, it seems like it's a good way to kind of feel out see where things are and, and make some adjustments for that second half of the schedule there i think it, i think playing a very competitive non-conference schedule is a great way to prepare you for conference games um you know 
I remember my first year calling plays at Albany in 2008. We opened up with UMass when they were at the FCS level. Then we played Hofstra, who was a another who no longer has football, but was a you know legitimate. And then New Hampshire, and then Delaware. And I said, oh my goodness, we're we were it came out one and three. Played UMass tough. Uh, lost New Hampshire in the last drive. Um, ended up beating Hofstra in overtime, and then we ran the ran the uh, table in the NEC. So I think it, you know, as long as you can get to, out of those games in one piece, you know, remaining healthy, then I think you know that's what it does for you. It hardens you up, and it 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 you know gets you in the right mode to, to obviously go through a, a tough conference slate. I know you, you mentioned in terms of looking ahead, so I don't want to make you look too too far ahead, but I know one thing that, that I think a lot of people around this area are interested for is the game you guys got scheduled uh, against UConn, uh, not this season, but the next. Uh, what, what's it mean to, to get to play an in, in-state team like UConn? I know you opened with Southern this year. You play Sacred Heart during the conference season, but what's it like to, to get that flagship school in UConn on, on the schedule? Uh, I mean, I, I mean, again, it's another opportunity to play an FBS school, and you know, our kids are familiar with their kids. I think, you know, vice versa for the most part, you know, obviously from our perspective, we, we start in state. That's where we recruit Connecticut first. And, you know, I look, I was looking at some of their defensive stuff, um, UConn, at least from, uh, last, from last time they played in 2019 as well. And, you know, the top five tacklers, I want to say three or four of them were from Connecticut. So, you know, and our, our coaches go over and work their, their, they allow us to come over there and work their one day camp. So we, we have a lot of familiar, familiarity with the staff and, uh, you know, our kids want to, that's what they, they want to play up. They want to play the best people they can play. And next year just happens to be an in-state rival that's 15 minutes down the road. So I don't think I'll have to say much to get them motivated to play that game. Coach McCarthy, I, re- I really appreciate the time and I'll get you out of here on this one. You, you, you haven't played since 2019. What's it going to feel like to, to get back on that field September 3rd against Southern at, at home? What, what's that going to feel like for you to, to have the team be able to be out there and actually playing some football again? Well, I think the most, the number one thing, and it's like anything else, we want to get through the spring healthy, which we for the most part did, and then obviously get through preseason camp. And, you know, we've got a lot of work to do to grease the wheels back up and, you know, get ourselves ready to play a football game. I think we lose sight of the fact we haven't played a game in, you know, whatever it is, a year and three quarters when, when we finally kicked that ball off on the third. But in the end, football is football. So if we've done our job in uh, preparing the kids physically and mentally, and then obviously the other part is, um, you know, just making sure um, that they're in condition, the right condition to play and, and being smart and, uh, you know, intelligent with, what we do in camp you now we can't just run into this thing thinking all right we're gonna this is going to be the junction boys all over again we need to be smart with um planning and cover the situations of the game and make sure we're not only sharp physically but we're sharp mentally as well definitely well, well coach really excited to see you and your team back out on the field after this breakaway uh because of covid very excited to be out there at a game so i really appreciate you taking some time uh, best of luck getting ready for the season with camp and, and as the season goes underway wish, wish you guys all the best this season Thank you much, Jared. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Connecticut Scoreboard Podcast with Jared Cutler. If you like the show and want to know more, check out the podcast on Twitter at CT Scoreboard Pod, the host at Jared Cutler, and find us on Facebook at the Connecticut Scoreboard Podcast. Finally, if you enjoy what you're listening to, rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks again for listening.